Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Hey, we are jumping into a series today. This is week one of Real Relationships. I hope you're excited. In a world of fake, God wants us as the church to build real relationships. And how many of you know uh, the world is putting a lot of fake things out there in front of us and actually encouraging us to, to project an image that is fake, that is faulty, and, and we think that it's for because we get more praise when we do. And so today I want to dig in week one. Um, we're jumping in. Let me give you the breakdown of the series. It's going to be on the screen behind me uh, for you so you can see what's coming. You need to invite people. Come back next week. It starts with you. I'm speaking today. Next week it starts with you. Part two, Chrissy's coming in hot. Week three with toxic relationships moving on from your past. Week four, you get the Caleb and Chrissy tag team growing your love after marriage. And then week five, relationships in the church, because I believe there's a rising church. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and we need healthy relationships in the church to be the church that he's called us to be in this moment in our culture. So come back. Four weeks, I believe God is going to do something special. And so the, the theme verse of this series is Romans chapter 12, verse 9, which is this. Let love be genuine. Genuine. I'm talking about real. I'm talking about authentic. And in this fake world, we need a church that is real. We need a church that has real love. We need a church that walks out true and real love in a world that desperately needs the love of Jesus Christ. And so today, we, we are in the middle and kicking off this series on real relationships. And it, it really hit me this idea of how fake and plastic our world is. A world that has poisoned us to where we wouldn't even know real if it slapped us in the face at times. We, we love the pretty pictures. We're obsessed with, with celebrity couples. I mean, a few years back, it was, it was Brangelina. A few months, months back, it was Kim Ye, right? And now here we are, you know, you fast forward a few months, a few years, and those relationships are broken, and people were hashtagging relationship goals. They were obsessed with reading magazines about these celebrities that project this perfect picture. And yet we know it was fake. We know that there was nothing authentic to it. Even Chrissy and I, I think we got a picture of my family. We got a picture of my family. I mean, look at that perfect picture. I mean, my goodness. Look at that perfect picture. And I've, I've posted pictures of my family, of my wife and I, and people say, oh, family goals, oh, relationship goals. And, and, and they'll look at this and they think, this family is perfect. But what you don't know is on the drive there, when we were 40 minutes late for our family shoot, my nine-year-old said, mom, dad, can you please stop yelling at each other? And I said, we're not yelling, we're just talking intensely. Mom and dad are very passionate. And then we got to the shoot, 
and, and my daughter was running up those rocks and wiped out and skinned her knee and is crying. And my, my he, he's now eight. Kai turned eight yesterday. Um, and, and Kai is running through the dirt like dragging his feet, dust everywhere, and we were fighting him the entire hour of the shoot, saying, stop doing that, stop running. How many of you know the picture is rarely the truth? There's always something behind the picture. In this series, I want to ask you to go on a journey with me as we make sure that it's God's word that's directing our relationships. It cannot be what is popular or what culture tells us or even our flesh says. It is the principles of God. It is the truth of God's word. And we say something here that the Bible is our guide. That this is how we uh, determine how we live our lives. And how many know this is almost always in contradiction to what this world will tell you in how you should live out your relationships. And so I have to invite you and I have to implore you that you would be a person and a church that, that allows the word of God to lead your relationships. Not all the stuff out there, but the word of God. This is so important, I believe. I believe this series is so important because people come to me all the time we do premarital counseling. We do marriage counseling. And what I found, and why you need to come back in the next few weeks, is that so many of people's problems stem from unhealthy relationships in their past. And, and this leads to unhealth in their relationships in their present. And so what I want us to do, and, and, and there's no way we could fix all of your unhealth in the next five weeks, but I, I do believe that we can over these five weeks, begin to establish healthy patterns, healthy steps, so that you create an environment of health around you, in your marriage, for your children, so that moving forward, they don't carry the same pain and hurt that maybe you have carried to this point. I believe we have to do better, church. We have to set up the next generation better. And, and I know that, that child wounds are real and children are vulnerable because all y'all are talking about all your pain from the past all the time. And I'm with you. But we want to set an environment for the future that can help us to have health moving forward. So in this series, as we talk about real, I was thinking about this pair of Jordans I got. I'm going to grab them right here. Uh, so, so I bought myself these Jordans for my birthday in August. And uh, if you guys don't know, I'm turning 40 in August. Uh, I'll be taking uh, any gift cards related to golf you would like to give me. Anything golf related, go ahead. You can, you can bring it. Um, but I bought these for myself this last August. And I've worn them a few times. And when I wear them, people are always like, dang, Caleb, you trying to be on preachers and sneakers? Like, Oh, Caleb, like, those are fresh. Those are fly. And I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But what they don't know is that I got these on a website from China. And then on StockX, these go for 130 140 somewhere in there. But I got them for 50 
because I'm a pastor with three little kids, which means I'm on a budget, y'all. So what they don't know and what I'm confessing to you today is these are fake. Anybody that knows about Jordans, like, you look close, there's a stitch going through the middle of the swoosh sign. Like, that ain't right. The, the, the swoosh sign doesn't come to a point. It's, like, squared at the back. I was like, that ain't right. I ordered a 12, and inside the tag says 12, but they're from China. So they're really, like, ten and a halves. So when I wear them, not only are they fake, but I'm, I'm uncomfortable the whole time. Why do I tell you this? Because the picture that we see is rarely the reality that we're experiencing. And I think you can see a picture of relationships around you and you think they got it all together. All the while, there's discomfort. There's a fakeness to it. And so what I think we need to do in the church is we need to get real. Can we get real? You ever heard the... the, the this phrase when they say, oh, he's a real one, or she's a real one. You know what that means? It means they're authentically them, that what you see is what you get. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no smoke and mirrors, or as my wife says, smoking mirrors. Um, there's none of that. There, there is a realness to them, and I think the church needs to get real. We need to get raw. We need to get honest with our problems. Stop painting perfect pictures and coming in here and putting on a mask and saying, yeah, uh, God is good all the time and all the time God is good when in reality you're struggling, you're suffering, your marriage is falling apart. We got to get real because until we get real, we can't fix what is broken. And I'm, I'm real with you that Christy and I are not perfect. And, and I think the authenticity that, that we must have in the church that we haven't had for a long time is what this world is longing for. In a, in a fake world, they need a real church. They need a church that people see and they say, I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but they're a real one. I don't know if I can accept everything that they accept about Jesus and all that, but let me tell you something. They're real about their convictions. They're real about their problems. They're real about their struggles. They're a real one. We need some real ones. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a real one? Ask him, are you a real one? So I want to talk to you today. I, I feel y'all are hyped. Let's go. I want to talk to you today about how it starts with you. Part one, it starts with you. Here's what I believe. You'll never have the health you want relationally until you establish the health you need spiritually. And so this series, honestly, guys, I, I wrestled a lot with this message. Probably more than, Chrissy will tell you, more than I've wrestled with a, a, a message in, I would say, like a year, year and a half pushing two years. And it was because I felt so impressed on my heart that God wanted me to take it in a different direction, but I didn't want to take it that direction. And how many know sometimes God, you know, tells you to do things you don't want to do. And I'm like, God, no, I just want to talk about relationships and I can do like uh, five steps to your best relationship yet, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to talk to them about their spiritual health. 
Because you cannot have a healthy relationship until you are healthy spiritually. And so I felt like God was like, no, you're going to take it a different direction. I'm like, no, God, come on. I, I, I need just, I want to let him leave here in a dip, like feeling just really encouraged. He's like, no, you're going to challenge them. And so I want to read from Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 through 28. And this is not going to be my primary text. I'm going to go to Romans 12 here in a moment. But I want to start here because I think this is a great example that Jesus gives to us about the, the, the fake picture and the pretty picture we try to paint when on the inside there's a mess happening. And so in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders in verse 27. He says to you, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And I think that the church, because we, we've been told and taught that we have to have it all together, that we've presented and projected this perfect picture that we're good and we're healthy and all is great, when all the while on the outside I might look fine, but on the inside it's dead. It's rotting. This is what the Pharisees did. This is what religion gets you. Do you hear me, church? What religion gets you is exterior praise from man. But internally, you're nowhere close to God. And, and I don't know about you, but I could do, I could do nothing and, and care nothing about the praise of man, I say. But the reality is I crave it. And so you guys hear this and you're like, amen, yeah, yeah, that's what religion does. But guess what? We are religious at times. Because humanity in the flesh, in, in, by nature, will drive you to religion. Because a relationship with God is private. A relationship and the praise of God is between you and him. But the praise of man is enticing. The praise of man is intoxicating. The praise of man makes us feel good in a moment. But how many know it leaves us rotting on the inside? And that's why we have to get real. We need real ones. Not fake ones in the church. We need real ones in the church. And this is what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders. He's saying, look, on the exterior, everything looks great. Your whitewashed tombs. I mean, that's a pretty little tomb there. But on the inside, there's something rotting. There's something dead. There's hypocrisy. And my challenge to us today, church, is that we would say to ourselves and we would say to God today, I'm choosing your praise more than man's praise. I'm choosing relationship over religion. It starts with you. You see, single people, before the person, you already have purpose. And some of you single people in here are waiting for that person thinking that then you'll have purpose. Then once you get that person, then you'll be able to walk out your purpose. And I want to tell you, Paul actually said it's better to be single 
But you have to be called to it. And some of you are like, I'm not called to it. Well, guess what? You're still single. So you're called to it right now. But I wanted you to hear me that your purpose is not gone just because you don't have the person. You can walk out your purpose right now by yourself with God. Your purpose isn't on pause. Because the relationship that you're looking for is not the reason you don't feel you can pursue your purpose. You want to blame that. But the reality is you just haven't had an encounter, a true encounter with the purpose that God has on your life or the God that gives you purpose. And today I think somebody in this place is going to encounter God for the first time or for the first time in a long time and they're going to begin to walk and see the purpose that he has on their life. Parents, your purpose is not on pause because of your kids. Now listen, your primary purpose is to raise those children in a way that honors and loves God, raise them to love God, raise them to fear God, raise them in the ways of God, yes. But he still has other purposes for your life. And sometimes I think parents, we get caught up and it's just all-consuming children. I get it, man. I got two kids in baseball, one kid in a play right now, and it's, it's wild. Every night of the week, something going on. And yet I'm going, no, God still has a purpose for my life in this world, just beyond just them. And so parents, hear me. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in your kid's life. But he also wants to use you in your co-worker's life. He wants to use you to raise God-honoring children. But he also wants to use you to bring health and life to the church. Don't run from your purpose because you have other things that God is asking you to do too. So today, I want you to get out your number two pencils. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a test. A true and false answer test. So if you have your Scantrons, pull them out. Get your number two pencils. This dates me. I don't think they do this anymore. But, but in my day, we use pencils and paper. Here's what I want to give you. I want to give you the real Jesus follower test. The real Jesus follower test. Because here's what I believe. Your relationships, the relationships and, and that you want to be healthy will not be healthy until you establish spiritual health in your life. And so today, some of you are going, I'm looking for the one. And hear me, you won't find the one physically until you become the one spiritually that God is calling you to be. And those of you that are in marriages, in relationships, you have friendships that are, that are toxic, you have marriages that are struggling, here's what I believe and why I struggle with this message. It's because I wanted to just give you like five steps to strengthen your relationships. And God's like, no, I want you to call them out to be real Jesus followers. Because when we are real Jesus followers, when we have real spiritual health, I believe the relational health we're looking for will fall into place. So we got to get real in our following of Jesus today. So let me give you a true or false test, real 
Jesus follower test. And I'm going to do this based on Romans chapter 12. Let me read it, starting in verse number 9. Now, I love this text because Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And in my Bible, I, I, I always teach from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And in my Bible, there's little headers for different sections of Scripture. And this section of Scripture has the header, Marks of the True Christian. I love this section of Scripture because I believe it is one of the most exhaustive lists in how we should live as followers of Christ. So I'm going to give you this, I'm going to read this text, then I'm going to walk through some questions, and you're going to answer true or false, and we're going to see, are we passing the real Jesus follower test? Because it's the only way you're going to have relational health is if you're a real one, if you have spiritual health. Let's read Romans 12. Starting verse 9, I'm going to read through verse 21. It will be on the screen behind me, giant Bible right behind me. Stick with me. Here we go. Let love be genuine. Everybody say genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. I need a beat. And seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We need to hear that today. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The marks of a true one, a real one. This is what a true, a real Jesus follower looks like. So question number one. You got your pencils. Am I increasing in my love of God? True or false? I want to ask you, true or false, are you increasing your love of God? I'm guessing that the fact you're even here means it's probably more of a true. But some of you need to really ask yourself this question today. Because maybe you've cared more about the love of man, as I was talking about earlier, Maybe you've cared more about the praise of man, the adoration of man. Or maybe you've cared more about the love of this person that you're pursuing than the love of God. And I love my wife a lot. I pursue her. But she knows that I'm going to pursue God first. I'm loving God first. I'm going after God first. I'm increasing in my love of God first. Why? Because as I get closer to God, I can love her better. As I draw closer and learn more about the love of God, I'm able to love my coworkers better. Those that work around me better. Those that I come in contact with, even my enemies, better. Question number two, am I increasing in my hatred of sin? True or false? Some of you are like, yeah, of course true, Caleb. Like, I hate sin. 
And yet some of you are so attached to certain sins, it's become your identity. Some of you, if I really asked you what are the sins that you're struggling with, you could tell me you've been dealing with it for decades. God and and followers of Christ should not be caught up and bound up in the same sins for decades. Hear me, church. Some of you that are in bondage today, God wants to set you free. That is not what a true follower of Christ looks like. Now, I'm not saying you won't sin because you will. I do every day. But what I am saying is you hate it. And some of you have become, begun to love it. Why? Because we love what feels good. And sin, the Bible even tells us, feels good for a season. Feels good for a moment. But how many know it will destroy you? It will deter you. It will distract you from the purpose that God has for you. That's why I'm challenging you that you would get freedom from the sin. You would stop loving the sin. You would start hating the sin. And I think we don't like to talk about sin in the church anymore. We don't like to talk about repentance anymore. But how many of you know that the word of God is calling us to hate it? In fact, the word used here is abhor. This isn't like, this is more than hate. Like, I abhor three putts, guys. Like, I abhor them. It's Master's Weekend, so I'm going to just throw in some golf right there. You know what I'm saying? I abhor three putts. I abhor it. It's it's beyond hate. That's how it should be with sin. That even the the sight of it, the thought of it, it disgusts us. We, We can't even be in its presence. And some of you are engaging in sin on Saturday night and showing up on Sunday giving God praise. And he's saying, do you hate it? True or false? Am I increasing in my love of others? True or false? This text here challenges us that you would love one another with brotherly affection. Who are one another? One another are brothers and sisters in Christ. One another are are the people sitting around you right now. One another are those that you serve alongside and attend community group alongside. Am I increasing in my love of others? It's those that it goes on at the end of the text I read it to you. It says your enemies. You don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. What do you do? You actually feed those enemies who are hungry. You give water to those enemies who are thirsty. When when the social media trolls show up, you bless them in Jesus' name. And you heap burning coals on their head by doing so. And by increasing my love of others, let's be real. It's hard to love the people closest to us. Like, I, I like to say I love my wife. And I know, you know, the Bible calls me and commands me to, to live sacrificially for my wife. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The same way I'm supposed to sacrifice for my wife. But I got to be real. I love myself more than I love her at times. I think there, there are moments when I say, when I, if I took this test, am I increasing my love of others? It might be like half true, half false. Because I want to increase in my love of others. But it, it connects with one later. It's easier to love ourselves. Am I increasing my love of others? True or false? Am I increasing in honor? Honor. You know that that's one of our blueprints here at Project Church, one of our core values, which you'll learn more about in the blueprint course if you attend. But honor is our culture. 
We say we honor those above us, beside us, below us. And I want to tell you, this culture right now of this world has lost the, the idea of honor. That we don't know how to honor. What we do is we gossip. And we mask it with spirituality. Say, oh, but pray for her. You hear about so-and-so? Oh, my goodness. She was acting the fool. We should pray for her, though. That's not honor. That's gossip. That's gossip disguised as spirituality. We honor people by going to them if we got a problem with them and having the hard conversation that we need to have. We honor people by saying good things and speaking words of life over them, even though in our hearts at times we want to speak words of death. We honor by not being, by not being critical and cynical. We honor by encouraging and building up. Our words have power, church. Am I increasing in honor? That's what he says here. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine a church that just outdoes each other in showing honor? That, that somebody honors you and you just honor them back and you're like, I'm going to one-up you. I'll honor you more than you honor me. Can you imagine a church like that? Could you imagine a culture like that? You walked in here and everyone's just like, you're so awesome. No, you're awesome. No, you're so awesome. No, you're awesome. I want to be in that environment. I want to be in that kind of church. So that when people come in, they say, wow, these people truly love each other. True or false, am I increasing in honor? True or false, am I increasing in prayer? Oh, man, I'm about to go in. Listen, I like to debate with my wife more than I like to pray for my wife. I like to, to talk about her problems to her more than I pray about her problems to God. She doesn't have many problems. I got more. And I want to challenge us, church, because I think in our relationships, we love to talk about everybody else. We love to talk about all the issues. We go to counselors, and we get, I'm not against that. Uh, we see our psychiatrist. I'm not against that. Some of you call them shrinks, whatever. Uh, we, we, we get all that opportunity to share, to pour out. But are we ever praying? Are we increasing in prayer? That's what a real Jesus follower looks like. That's what it says here in verse number 12. It says, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I want to pray for my wife more. I want to pray for my coworkers that I just can't stand more. Because I found when I pray for them, I can't help but begin to love them. When I pray for them, I can't help but begin to empathize with them. When I pray for them, I can't help but want to be for them. But if I just talk about them, it's easy to hate them. If I just talk about how off they are, it's easy to criticize them. But when I pray for them, God shifts something in my heart and my spirit. And before you know it, I'm thinking like Jesus. I have a heart like Jesus. I'm a real one when it comes to following Jesus. Am I increasing in humility? Ooh. Humble. Man, I, I don't know about you. I'll be straight up with you. My whole life, I've dealt with battle pride. You want to know why? Because we just think we're better than everyone else. But what I found is as I've continued to draw closer to God, I would say as, I, as I've learned more about his word and I've drawn closer to him, I've recognized like now more than ever how little I know, how powerful I am. 
I've recognized I'm not that powerful. I'm not that gifted. But God, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't still have a healthy marriage. I wouldn't even still be married. I wouldn't have the children I have. But we are prideful. We think, I did it. I earned it. I built it. It's my, it's, it's my handiwork. It's my giftings. It's my talent. And God says, increase in humility. I don't know about you, but the, the, the verse uh, in Scripture that says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, this idea that God would oppose me if I'm prideful, but he would elevate me if I'm humble, I don't think anything is more real that we need to get a hold of in our hearts today than that. When I'm humble in my marriage, I don't come at my wife the same way. When I'm humble in my job, I don't respond to criticism the same way. When I'm humble in my following of Christ, I carry a different spirit and demeanor. And here he says, be humble. Verse 16, don't be haughty. Actually associate with the lowly. And I love our church because we're a church that serves. I don't know if you know this, but we do Hope Day every month. And, uh, and it's just growing right now because you guys are jumping in and serving. And yesterday, I don't know how many people we had serving, but like at least over 50, probably pushing 70. We were doing, uh, doing some of the houses for a city of refuge, helping rehab them for these girls who have been trafficked, are coming out of trafficking, are being rescued, coming off the streets. Uh, we were serving at the YOLO food bank. We were serving at the Salvation Army. Our church is mobilizing because we're a church that's okay with associating with the lowly, okay with, with, with serving and giving, okay with being humble. True or false, am I increasing in the fruits of God's spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. What am I missing? Faithfulness. I always forget faithfulness. Am I increasing in the fruits of God's spirit, true or false? Because this world and its fruit looks very different than the word of God and his fruit. The spirit of God and the fruit that it produces is contrary to the fruit that this world produces. And yet we spend more time, I think, soaking up the fruits of this world than we do in God's word, soaking up the truth of his word. I want to bear good fruit. I want people to say, wow, look at him growing. I want people to look at my life and say, he's a real one. His fruit shows he's a real one. Am I increasing the fruits of God's spirit, true or false? Am I increasing and generosity to God and others. You know, y'all don't hear me talk a lot about giving, but I love this church because we've been incredibly generous. 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, was our biggest year ever in giving. Come on, give God some praise, church. And it's been crazy because I'm like, I feel like I should teach on generosity more. But you guys are being so generous. I'm like, do they need to hear it? And God's like, no, they still need to hear it. Because some of you haven't chosen generosity. And, and here's the reality. 
we are naturally selfish. We naturally want to hold and hoard. I've seen some of your garages. We naturally want to collect and hold on to. We naturally live tight-fisted. And yet what I've found, sometimes the reason that I'm so caught up in my own relational problems is because I've forgotten that I'm here to be generous and to serve. I've forgotten that I'm here to give, to live open-handed. And when I live in that way, it's a different spirit that I carry. I have a different mindset. I walk with a different pep in my step. Why? Because I'm not focused on all my problems. And I think some of you are so inwardly focused that all you need, the one shift you need to bring health to your relationships right now is that you just stop holding on to and making it all about you and start letting go of and making it all about him. You stop making it about serve me and say, God, how can I serve you? That we live generous to God and others. That's what he challenges them with here in this text. Generosity. He says it in verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. I love that our church, we, we carry a spirit of hospitality about us. People always inviting others over and going to meals. And This pandemic tried to squash that. And some of us got caught up and we're like, I'm an introvert. This is heaven on earth. You're like, I don't ever want to go back to work. Working from home, it's amazing. I'm not going back to church. I mean, I like this. I got my space. It's amazing. But guess what? We were made for community. We were made to contribute to the needs of others. We were made to be in each other's lives. We were made to, to pray for our brothers and sisters when they struggle, to be for them in their time of need and hurt and pain and struggle. Am I increasing in generosity to God and others, true or false? Am I increasing in forgiveness? Chrissy's going to hit this in a couple weeks, this idea of toxic relationships, because some of you need to forgive those who have wronged you from your past. You need to let go of that which you've been holding on to for too long. But I just wanted to remind you today that we leave the wrath of God and the vengeance of God to God. That we walk with grace in our hearts and spirits. Why? Because we've received grace on our hearts and spirits. That we recognize that people hurt because people have been hurt. That we realize and acknowledge that we will hurt. And that we need forgiveness. So how could we not forgive? True or false? Am I increasing in forgiveness? And finally, true or false? Am I increasing in my dependency on the cross? So here's what's crazy. Watch this. You could answer the first, I don't know how many I gave you, a lot. The first eight or nine, false. You could have walked in here and said, man, if I had to be honest, Caleb, those are all false. But if you get this one right, if you mark true on this one, if you say, God, I, I'm humbled and I fall to my knees at the foot of the cross, you know what he does? It's a miracle. He gets in your Scantron when it goes through that machine, and he shifts 
all the falses to truths. He moves every false to truth. And you need to hear this. Because some of you think or thought that you got to work your way into a better relationship. You got to work your way into heaven. You got to work your way into right standing with God. But what this tells us is if I simply increase my dependency on the cross, all I can do and all I have to do is fall to my knees at the foot of the cross and say to God, God, I'm broken. I've messed up. I haven't loved others. I haven't forgiven at times. I haven't been generous. I haven't served. I haven't loved. But if you fall at the foot of the cross and you get that one true, he shifts everything else. All the falses become true because this one question is what everything hinges on. Everything hinges on the cross. And I think that we've become and grown numb to the cross in the church. And, and, and I didn't wear my cross today for the first time in like months. I never take it off. I even shower with it on. Thank you, Jesus. It hasn't turned green. But, but I wear the cross and it's become a decoration instead of a declaration. And I don't want the cross to be decoration in my life. I want the cross to be declaration that if it wasn't for him and the price he paid, I would be destined for destruction and death. But because of what he did, I'm a real one. You're not a real one because of you. You're a real one because of him. You can't be a real Jesus follower in your strength. You can only be a real Jesus follower because of his strength. Here's the verse, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hear me again, church. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is our power. The cross is where we find our salvation. The cross is where we find our real following of Jesus. It all stems from the cross. So my challenge to us today is that we would, in this place, begin to mark true on this last question. Because here's what I found. It can't just be about behavior. These others were about behavior. Like shift your behavior, shift your behavior. And, and we need to do those things. And these are marks of a true Christian. You should be moving towards all of this. But at the end of the day, it cannot be about behavior. It has to be about heart change. And Jesus and the cross is what changes our hearts. The behavior will follow. So today, some of you walked in here and you would mark false to all of them. Just begin to mark true to this one. Just on your test, say, God, I'm increasing in my dependency on the cross. I don't depend on my strength, on my ability, on my righteousness, on my holiness, on, on building healthy relationships in and of myself. I depend on you. I'm telling you, I know you want health in your relationships, but you have to find health in your spiritual relationship with God first. I found that in my life, 
the more I grow in that, the more everything else seems to fall into line. Not perfect, but protected. Not perfect, but covered. Not perfect, but progressing. Not because of me, but because of him. So today I want you all to bow your heads in this place because I believe there's someone that's been running from God. And, and you know you would fail the real Jesus follower test. In fact, we all would fail it if it wasn't for the cross. But some of you today in this place have been running from God. You've turned your back on God. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to the Savior Jesus who died on the cross. Today's your day. There's people watching online. There's people in the room that I believe God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to your heart. It's not me that is moving your heart to respond right now. It's the Spirit of God. And so if you're here, you say, Caleb, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus. That's me. I want to be a real follower of him. That's me. I'm putting my dependency and my faith in the cross and the price that he paid for me so I could have life. If that's you today, you've never done it. You've been running from him. I want you to lift your hand right now. Go. If that's you, go ahead. Yes. Hands going up in the room. Come on, church. Give God. I see so many hands. Give God some praise in this place. People online are responding too. I believe it. Say this with me. Everybody in here, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I want to be a real one. I want to be a real follower of you. Today, I place my dependency, my faith in the cross, in the price you paid so that I could have life and life to the fullest. Forgive me when I fail, when I mess up. Today, I commit my life to you. You're my Savior. You're my God. You're my Lord. And I will live for you every day from this day forward. Not in my strength, but in yours. I love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Come on, church. Stand to your feet across this place. Yeah, give God some praise as names were added to the book of life. And we celebrate that. Our prayer team is making their way forward. Let's sing one last song of declaration today as we proclaim that we place our dependency in the cross. Lift your voices with me. If you raise your hand, if you need prayer, our prayer team will be up here to pray for you. Come on, sing with us, church. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.